0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. It's that time
3: of the week. It's doggy pod time. Hello
2: everybody out there in Podcast Land. Welcome and thank you for joining us on The Doggy Pod. I'm veterinarian Dr. Rob Zamet.
3: And I'm not a veterinarian, but I'm a friend of his and I'm a producer and my name is Stephen Peters. And this is our foodie episode, if you like. Woo-hoo, that's good. I'm an Italian, so that's great. <laughs> yeah, and let me tell you, Rob loves his food. <laughs> uh, it includes a list of the foods you should never, ever, ever, ever feed your dog no Mm. matter how much they look into your eyes with that look you know the one all dogs do it and uh this week's special guest is one of the stars of the tv series bondi vet and that is dr alex Hines. Uh, and a little later rob and alex catch up and talk um well they of course they talk about dogs but it's a really interesting chat so stick around for that and i'm
2: going to give everyone with an unhealthy overweight dog a bit of a spray come on let's get serious this is your responsibility to keep your dog healthy. Let's lose some weight off that dog.
3: Yeah, and uh, when Rob gives people a bit of a spray, it, it can get very serious, let me tell you. We're also going to talk, as part of our food episode, drooling. All dogs do it in some, one way or another. What does it actually mean? Are they hungry or is it something else altogether? Anyway, lots to talk about. But before we do, I'm sure, as always, it's been a busy week in the clinic. Uh, you got a good a juicy story, story for us, Rob? Come on, no, you must have something.
2: It's, it's an obvious one, yet people have this obsession to clean their dog's ears. You well, know, that's probably from you.
3: You're always telling people to clean
2: your dog's ears. No, only oh. when necessary. Only oh. when necessary, people stop cleaning their dog's ears when they're not necessary because you damage
3: the inside of the ears. So there's got to be gunk in it or something. Yeah,
2: if you look down there... There's two things I do, and people think, "Mm, yuck, but I do it. I look down there. Is there gunk down there? Is there black discharge or brown discharge or any discharge at all? And the other thing I do, this is the yucky part, I smell. Put your nose down in your dog's ear and have a smell. If it smells yuck, you know there's a problem down there. If it's a reasonably okay, neutral or sweetie smell, it's fine. Don't go clean your ears unless they're red. And then... It's how you do it. I have spoken about it on the doggy pod, and I'm going to talk about it right now because people are obsessed with doing it the wrong way and it hurts the dog. What people often do is they'll get cotton wool or they'll get a rag, worse still. They'll wet it with some sort of ear cleaner, push it down there and start twisting it around. I don't know if you've seen those cartoons where they twist the hair, the uh, towel inside the ear and bring it out the other side. I often think, <laughs> is that what you're trying to do? Um the ear is a very, very delicate, you know, it, it's a canal with a mucous membrane. It's very delicate. Don't go damaging it when you're cleaning. So what sort of damage do people do? Well, by rubbing it, it becomes abrasive. And so they, they cause even ulceration inside the ear. Don't go abrading inside the ear. Get your ear cleaner. Get someone to hold the dog's head so he doesn't shake it all out. Flood the ear canal, by all means, with a good quality cleaner. Then Massage. Make sure the cleaners warm. Cold water and cold cleaners hurt. So a warm product that you just pour in there, massage, massage. When you finish, massage some more. Then get some loose cotton wool, feed it into the ear, and by all means push it right down. Don't don't be you know too enthusiastic, but certainly pack it into the ear and then just pull it out. Don't go twisting it around. We're not cleaning silverware here, people, we're just cleaning a delicate tunnel. So in goes the cotton wool, out it comes. Do that a couple of times for the canal again if you haven't got clean cotton wool. Until you get clean cotton wool out, you, you're done. Do the other ear, let him shake, let him get it out. If it's a good ear cleaner, a little bit of residual is not going to matter. It'll dry up quite okay. But please... Be gentle with your dog's ears and only clean when
3: necessary. So these are people who have come to you, something's gone wrong, but they've cleaned the dog's ear whether it needed it or not. Yeah, people become obsessive, don't they, about their dogs? Well, which brings me to another question. You must have had lots of obsessive owners over the years. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, we could use the term loving and caring, but let's go straight to the other extreme. People who maybe their dog's just a little too special.
2: Look, I've had that. I've had um, people that go a bit too close to the dog and overhumanise overhumanisation yeah. is the worst thing that I see. Dogs, yeah, you still have to respect the fact they're canines uh, respect the fact that they're a certain breed and they have certain habits and those sort of things, but at the end of the day they are canines and if you don't respect the species, you're going to cause problems for that dog psychologically and I do see this and uh, it becomes very difficult. I had one dog that the owner allowed him to sniff and do whatever everywhere on the owner's body. And <laughs> other people didn't like that so much from the dog. And yet she thought, oh, no, it's my dog. It's my baby. It's all right. It's not all right. It's not. You know, there's got to be boundaries. Dogs need to know that. They need to understand that. They want to know that. A dog that works in a pack you know, in the wild has certain boundaries within that pack if he breaks it, the rest of the pack will attack him and kill him. They're used to boundaries. They want boundaries. They need boundaries. And It's like bringing often, up a child, isn't it, really? It is, yeah. It is exactly like bringing up a child. Now, I know Christopher Green, the very famous child psychologist, I was helping him with training his dogs, and he said the same thing. Just, just like training a child, isn't it? And I said, yep, it really is, Chris. And he has two wonderful Cocker Spaniels that he... Uh, used to have years ago, and we trained them. And he said, yeah, that's pretty much what I say in my book about children.
3: <laughs> so these obsessive owners, uh, mm-hmm. a little bit more gossip, please. <laughs> is it more, um, a more female obsessive owners or more male obsessive oh, owners? No. Uh, I, think, I think it's
2: probably a bit of both. Um, okay. More He's... females do get a bit more obsessive. and um, But I've had owners that want to sleep in the clinic when their dog is sick. They don't want to go home. I've had people stay, wow. stay in the car park when their dog is sick or, or uh, not well. Can I, can I just bunk in your car park in my car? Wow. And so you do get people, that you, know, you sort of wonder because, look, the dog's here. In fact, often with very sick dogs, I'll take them home to my place so that if anything happens, I can you know, look at straight away or we'll send them to a 24-hour centre where there's someone awake looking at the dog all the time. Uh, it varies from case to case, but you've got to trust your vet a bit. But no, they'll sit in the car park, or they'll want to sit in the clinic somewhere all night long. And if I'm pulling an all night, or I don't mind, they can certainly sit in one of our consult rooms with their dogs. Sometimes
3: that does that has happened many times. Have you ever had anybody turn up with their dog dressed in something? <laughs> like a little coat or Yeah,
2: many times. Really, many times. And then you have got to take the dog's temperature. And you're doing what? <laughs> <laughs> and putting it where? Yeah, that's it. I mean, yeah. When I go to visit someone in the hospital these days, they want to take my temperature because of COVID, and I start undoing my pants. I said, "What are you doing? So, yeah, you're going to well, take my temperature?" That's no. your own personal thing, Rob. Yeah, I think it's it. best we keep leave that too. one alone. <laughs>
3: okay we've talked before about how obsessed not owners this time but how obsessed your dogs are about food how they just can't help themselves they just seem to eat all the time and we you know we talked about that in a previous episode but um the other thing with dogs is they seem to not have a filter of understanding what's bad for them and what's not because they do just love their food so much and they are they food-obsessed, Rob? Do they just not get oh, when just, something's probably it, not the best thing for them? Absolutely. If, if it
2: smells nice, it must be nice. That's their attitude. Um, so they will eat all sorts of foods that they shouldn't, including some things, some products that um, we leave out, not for them, but for other reasons. You know, for example, Ratsack. It's a terrible product for a dog to eat, but you know the smell of it, of course, has to attract an animal. That's the purpose of it. So they're often brand based and the dog will think, hmm, it's like a biscuit. And so they'll eat that. Uh, snail bait, one of the worst, very brand based. And unfortunately, with snail bait, some snail bait packets have um, we've ensure that this is not attractive to your dog. And then fine print, it says, but if your dog eats it or your cat eats it, take it away. Dogs don't read that part of the packet and they'll eat it all. Snail baits and rat sack, you know, rat baits, they're all bad for your dog and will kill your dog, so make sure your dog can't get to them. But yes, there's other products as well that your dog will try and nose his way in and find that are really not good for them. The dog doesn't know that. They may be sweet, they may be savoury, they may be just full of beautiful smells. Your dog will want to eat them, but they don't have a natural barrier that says, hmm, this is bad for me. Yeah, mushrooms, because of the wet weather, hot wet weather, we've we've seen a lot of mushrooms growing Some of those are very, very toxic to dogs and can kill dogs. So even watch out in your yard, what's growing up in your yard if you're not mowing it, often enough because of too much rain about, mushrooms will often come up, some of them are toadstools, and they will kill your dog. Oh, gee, okay. Well, I know you just sort of skimmed over raw chicken. People don't seem to realise that raw chicken can carry a lot of bacteria, and worse than that. People like to feed raw chicken carcasses because they say it's natural. How often in the wild does a dog come across a raw chicken carcass or a carcass of any bird? Not that often, not every day. Yet people insist on feeding it, saying it's natural every day. And so when I do get the dog with salmonella or E. coli, I tell them, you feed raw chicken. How did you know? Well, guess what? That's how. Chocolate, like you said, has two products in it. Caffeine, which is bad. Only takes about... 120 milligrams per kilo of caffeine to kill a dog.
3: So um, if, if your dog, for whatever reason, would have a sip of, cho- of uh, coffee, yep, that would be really bad.
2: Wouldn't be good for it. I mean, a little sip, probably not going to cause any problems, but if you, you know, some people get um, over, go overboard. No, and seriously, they buy puppy chinos with coffee in it. Mm, um, puppy okay. chino that doesn't have coffee in it, doesn't have chocolate in it, that's okay. So, we use carob rather than chocolate. Chocolate also has theobromine, which is a—it's not so bad for us because we metabolize it um, a lot quicker out of our system. Dog takes a long time. And with these products, you get nausea, you get vomiting, you can get um, what's called polydipsia, polyuria, where they're urinating and drinking all the time. But you eventually get cardiac heart problems, cardiac arrhythmias, seizures, comas, and even death with these products. Now, the same can be said about other products that people like to feed fruit to their dogs. Be a bit careful. Grapes are a big no-no. Really? Grapes, oh, my God. And then it gets that. worse with raisins and sultanas. Grapes, raisins and sultanas will definitely lead to irreversible renal failure. If you feed enough
3: of it, the dog will not be saved no matter what happens. Is that something to do with um, citric acid in it or what
2: um, is it? The, they're absolutely not sure about what's going on with, with some of this. You no, know, it's not the citric acid. Citric acid's fine because citric acid is vitamin C. It's other things that, you know, that, that, for example, in avocados, I you know there's this um, product called person in avocado which can be very toxic to birds
3: but can also be toxic to dogs. So no avocado yeah. on toast. No avo no, no. on toast for your dog.
2: Onions. We, you know, how many times do you people, I, I always have the leftover onions and the Chinese takeaway, give it to the dogs. Mm. Onions will lead to an anemia that cannot be reversed. The dog develops an anemia because they end up with these things on their red cells. They end up with a thing called Heinz bodies in their red cells. And it's an aplastic anemia. In other words, the anemia cannot be reversed. The dog will die. Garlic is less toxic to dogs, but it still can be, but, but much less toxic. So if you feed a little bit of garlic and people do, that's okay. Um, we have talked about nuts, macadamia nuts. Mm. And they cause tremors and what's called ataxia. The dog can't coordinate anymore. Artificial sweeteners. You know, dogs don't know that what's in there is bad for them. If they find chewing gum and artificial sweeteners that contain a product called xylitol, it causes a lot of problems for your dog. And then there's the basic things that we do which we're a bit stupid about, we we sort of think, oh, well, there's all this fat. I'll give it to the dog. Well,
3: yeah, I think a lot of people do do that, don't they? Yeah, and then... But it is
2: just fat. It is just fat that can overburden the pancreas, cause inflammation of the pancreas. Like I said, you've heard of pancreatic cancer. This is another disease of the pancreas called pancreatitis, inflammation of the pancreas, and it can kill them pretty damn quick. Excess fat in the diet will often bring on a bout of pancreatitis.
3: So if you're having a barbecue and your dog's there, of course, panting and desperately wanting You'll to get some don't... give a little bit, a little bit. But don't give them the, yeah, the Not big all of, of fat it. off the end. Yeah, yeah.
2: Don't, and don't just start pouring the fat from the frying pan into their food and everything else. Corn. Corn can be <laughs> lethal, often because of the way we... What happens when we, when we cook corn... What do we put on well, we usually put lashings of butter
3: on it yeah, if you don't have beautiful. high cholesterol, And of they
2: soak into the cob. The dog smells it, beautiful, all that fat. And they don't chew up the cob. They swallow it whole. I don't know how many corn cobs I've had to pull out of dogs over the years. And it's major, major surgery getting into the intestines. What, big chunks of corn cob? Oh, or the whole... Like, you know, those little short ones, yeah. Yeah, those short ones, they swallow them whole. They don't wow. chew them up, and so they block.
3: Okay, now earlier in the week, Dr. Rob caught up with Dr. Alex Hines, who was one of the star vets on the hit series Bondi Vet. She's an entrepreneur, a mum, and works at the Animal Emergency Service, which is, as the name suggests, most of her animal clients are in an emergency situation, so it can be quite different to a daily vet practice. And it turns out that she first met Dr. Rob when she was quite young. I really
4: had the privilege to grow up just surrounded by animals. My mum was just, you know, we always had uh, so many dogs and cats yeah. and the the cow that we milked in the morning. And I just had a, a great upbringing where I really learned about, um, you know, how special animals can be in our lives. And so, um, you know, it wasn't a straight path. It wasn't initially what I, what I started to go into, but I soon realised really, you, get, you know, when you're going to be doing a career for the rest of your life, you're going to get up every day, and do this, it's got to be something that you love. And I just love um, helping animals and and really making a difference. And and once I really honed in on that, it it was really a no-brainer. It was just from there on, it was just Mm. putting my head down, working hard and and getting through there. And and now – um, twenty years later, Robert. Well,
1: <laughs> that's what I am now, and i have been a vet for twenty years. Can you believe? it? I hope that doesn't make you so old, but <laughs> oh, it makes me very old. That little Italian guy here. Oh gosh, what those years ago? What was years? Yeah. Ago. Well, I, were, I don't know,
4: you know how much you so remember that, but yeah, uh, she
1: was, it was looking after very well. It was. Done yeah.
4: The case. Uh, oh, you 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 give me instructions on what what I needed to do for her, a she... She had a little um ex you know, orthopedic external fixator on her leg and yeah. how we had to keep it clean and, and she was such a tiny thing and oh no, it was it was my mission. That was my job in the house was to make sure yeah. that um she was looked after in those weeks when her little fractured leg was healing. But she did great. She went on and lived a happy, long, doggy life and um okay. yeah, thanks
1: to you. Well, no, you became an emergency vet. Wow, that's uh, that's big time. Why that?
4: Yeah, it was one of those things where I actually initially started off as a large animal vet. I was very much a horsey girl growing up, and I, yep. I kind of thought, yeah, horses is where, I, where I'm at. But um, it was actually when I went over to work in the UK, and I had the opportunity to to pick up some small animal emergency shifts, and I I was just a real open, eye opener for me. I was just I really got to see the difference that I could make in a very short space of time. Yes. And a big thing for me about being a vet is, has always been not only about helping the animals, but about helping the people that love them. Really, I, and yeah. you really get a chance to do that in emergency. I mean, nobody ever wakes up in the morning expecting to come in to an emergency hospital. And so when people arrive, they're you know they're stressed, they're they're worried about mm-hmm. what's happened. Uh, you know whether it's that gosh their cat's got hit by a car or their dog's mm-hmm. been in a dog fight or or the, the pair of socks that went missing last week, I think that could be inside the dog, yes. um, vomiting. <laughs> so all of those things, there's yeah, just I, a lot of stress and
1: emotion. That's true. Look, people come in here and they start crying and, and they apologise. Don't ever really mm. apologise for loving your pet.
3: Don't, yeah. don't
1: apologise to me. I love people that love their animals. So have you got a dog now?
4: i do i uh i've i've got it i've got a um no telling greyhounds these days, but um yep. i have a a samoid i had a friend who had a samoid the so the big white you know we white puppy yes. dogs. Is, i'm sure you know yes. uh and they are just the the friendliest happiest Correct. dog Correct.
1: <laughs> you know what yeah. the, it's the only breed standard that says. Friendly to all mankind—that's part of their breed standard, Alex.
4: Is that is
1: that right? I know you're all mankind, so you yeah, get you're right. a bit of an
4: expert on those. There you go. I could believe it. I could believe it. Like I, I knowing that I was going to be going more into media, and and that uh, the dog that I, you know, my companion was going to be going around meeting all sorts of people, which he does now. You know, we go to the some of the big pet expo shows and there's thousands of people there and everybody wants to come and say hello and and for a dog like a samoyed like yoshi my Samoid, he yep. just loves it he just loves being around people loves the attention and that you know that's not something that all all dogs can really cope with when it's that amount of attention, and he mm. just he just really laps it up. So he's been a great choice. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of hair around the house, and people say that they shed. There is. I oh, have yes. black carpet and have a white dog. Oh no! <laughs> so um, yeah, it's uh, it's a constant battle, but oh, I wouldn't be without him. That's
1: for sure. What, yeah. what do you love about dogs? What do you think is say so special about dogs?
4: Yeah, look, I've never had a time in my life where I haven't. Had a dog, but I think for me, it it really all is, is all about that unconditional love, that that yeah. companionship. I know these days when I come home, and you know it's been a big day out there, and regardless of whatever I'm doing, whether we're filming or we're, you know, I'm in the the clinic or or where, wherever it is, they're just well, my dog is he's, he's always there to greet me. There's always a, a happy greeting. It, you know, they're just their enthusiasm is infectious. Um you want it you're up for anything you know you want to go and do yep. something yeah I'm yep. with you I don't care as long as I can I, I you know I can come along and I, I think we as humans we can learn a lot from the attitude that they have to life Um yes. and the way that they just really uh, you know leap into every day just with with positivity and I, I think it's just inspiring.
1: What I do love about you, when when I watch you, it's the animals first, but the story and the filming second. It's all about caring for those animals, and uh, that's not always the case with uh, everyone. But for you, I see that all the time. Uh, But what's it meant to you? You being the bondi vet, what does that mean to you?
4: Yeah, look, it's been an incredible opportunity. I've had a dream for a long time, Rob, of really wanting to bring. People inside an emergency hospital, yeah. um, and break down those barriers because I think sometimes people just you know come in the front of a of a, of a veterinary clinic or an emergency hospital, and they never really get a chance to see what's happening at the back. And there's some incredible people who nurses and vets and and so forth who, who give up their, their their weekends, their Christmas days, really just being there to help animals in need. And what I wanted to do when I became involved with Bondi Vet was really to just take people out there on the journey of what mm. it's like um, and the incredible life-saving things that that we do. And so it, it really is about about helping the animals. And, yeah, the camera's there, but all the time yes. you kind of do forget about it. You, you, yes. You're just kind of concentrating on the job that, that you need to do. And the, the thing that makes it unique for us in emergency when we're doing the filming is we don't know what's going to walk through the door that day. There's no run sheet for us. It's just
3: mm-hmm.
4: uh, what let's see what comes through the door and it's always interesting and it's always heartwarming and there's just some incredibly courageous stories that it's been a real privilege to share with people out there.
1: Alex, it's been great talking to you and I hope we get to do it again in the not too distant future. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.
3: okay, we've talked about the foods that your dog eats that he can't help but eat, and then we've talked about the foods that you shouldn't be giving it as your dog's owner. And, you know, I don't want to fat shame dogs or their owners, but there are some people who really think, and we're not going to get into diets here, but there are people who who really think a big fat dog is a happy, healthy dog. And oh, I know, Rob, this it. is something that you see a lot in the clinic.
2: Man, oh man, I cannot understand the average of some people. Yeah. You know, I think their dog needs... Most people think their dogs need to eat twice a day, for starters. They don't.
3: Once, it really is once a day, isn't
2: Once it? a day is plenty. You know, the working police dog eats once a day, except for on one day of the week when they're not working, and they don't get fed that day. They have a fast day, which is normal. Dogs have a short intestinal tract, keep food in it all the time, it ferments, goes off literally inside them, and it's not good for them. Please stop feeding them twice a day. I have one client who feeds her dog three times a day. Actually, she rang me up the other day and said, um, is salmon okay for dogs? Yes, but not in the quantities you're giving. Yeah, she'll buy the best salmon fillets, give you know, half a dozen of those to the dog and wonder why it doesn't eat the dry food or anything else. Yeah, just be reasonable and rational. Feed once a day, not twice a day. Certainly not three times a day. I get these poor animals coming in here and they are so fat simply because the owner doesn't know when to stop. You know, food is not love, people. Food is not love. If you love your dog, kick back a bit. Push away from the table yourself a bit earlier, probably. But certainly (laughs) make sure your dog pushes away from the table. Only feed them once a day and keep the portions rational. If your dog's overweight, keep the portions small. If your dog's the right weight, and that's not in your opinion, but in your veterinarian's opinion or your veterinary nurse's opinion, go yeah, go to the place, just ask the vet nurse, is this dog too fat? Can I weigh my dog? Usually there's a weighing machine in most vets' weigh, weighing room these days. Weigh your dog. Get the nurse to look at it. Because often I'll, I have people come in here and they I'm saying, gosh, your dog's fat. And they say, really? You think so? <laughs> I know so. I've been doing dogs for, you know, I've been a, in, working in veterinary clinics for over 50 years now. I've owned dogs for longer than that. Yes, your dog's too fat and they don't believe me. So first thing I want you to do is look at that dog very carefully and make sure it is not overweight. Go and Google if you want to the ideal weight for your dog. There are charts there that can show you that. If your dog is on the plump side, on the rounded side, decrease the portions. Do not feed twice a day. No dog should be fed. I mean, I understand giving a little you know, biscuit in the morning or something like that, that's fine if your dog's not overweight. But continually pushing food at them all the time is not good, not healthy for your dog. So for goodness sakes, back off on the food, people. (laughs) Your dog doesn't need it.
3: I told you Rob was going to give uh, owners of chubby dogs a bit of a spray, and there you go. There you have it. I know it's hard to do. I know it's hard to do. Because, of course, you know, often we see our dogs drooling and we think, oh, well, they're hungry. So, oh, that's that's why I'll give them something to eat because I think most dogs drool a little bit, don't they? But drooling doesn't necessarily mean I'm hungry. No,
2: it just means I want the food. I mean, you can make a dog drool even without food. In the previous century, a very famous uh, Russian scientist.
3: Mr. Pavlov.
2: You know him. I do. Correct. Pavlov's dogs. He fed dogs and rang a bell at the same time. Fed them and rang a bell. Fed them and rang a bell. It got to the point where you could just ring a bell and the dogs would salivate and drool just at the ringing of the bell. No smell of food, no seeing food, no, nothing to do with food, just ring the bell would make them drool. It was a natural reaction. And it's the same with us, actually. When we smell food and we look at food, believe it or not, we're producing more saliva in our mouths than at other times. We drool as
3: well, but do but, dogs drool when they're not hungry. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It's food there. Mm, that's nice. It smells nice, and so they produce the live. I'm giving ready to eat. It's a natural product of just. I'm not hungry, but I, but it smells nice. And uh, plus, if you, if the dog drools and you feed it, what's the dog going to do every time it sees you with some food? Drool. You've mm. just done Pavlov's experiment. You have taught your dog to drool. Simply because there's food there. He knows that if, if he drools, you'll give him food. Drool, he gives me food. Drool, she gives me food. They know it. They've learnt it. You've, you've done Pavlov's experiment in one hit, people.
3: Stop it. But generally, the dog's drooling because it just it can smell food. It, doesn't, it may yeah, not necessarily yeah. be hungry. It just can't help itself.
2: Well, let's face it. How many of us have a snack when we're not hungry?
3: Mm, too many. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay, that is pretty much the end of the Doggy Pod Foodie episode. We hope you've enjoyed it. Hope it hasn't made you hungry. I personally wouldn't mind a packet of Twisties right now and a cold <laughs> beer. That's just me. I'm it's sure, it's, cold beer. Yeah, okay. I'm sure it's, it's different for everybody, of course. Yes. Now, don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And as always, there's all of the Doggy Pod episodes are there for you to listen from uh, all of our episodes from last year uh, on your platform of choice for your favorite podcasts. Thank you for listening. It means a lot to us. And
2: this has been the foodie episode. So remember, a well trained dog will make no attempt to share your lunch. It will just make you feel so guilty that you can't
3: enjoy it did you make that up or is that a famous saying by you know mm. a well-known philosopher
2: what i've heard goodbye see ya hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter